Lewis family. Good morning. Um, you know, as pastor of the church and for the elders of our church, I think one of the highest responsibilities that I feel and I know the elders feel is to try to seek the Lord and discern where the Lord is leading us. And through much prayer discernment um, over this past month, we have sensed that the Lord calling our church to fast and pray. So for the whole month of August, we are going to be fasting and praying. Um, so later on, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. I'm going to explain it to you. And really what, what my goal is, is that there would be someone in our church fasting and praying every day in the month of August. And so um, we're going to start the fast actually for the whole church on August 8th. But for this week, the staff is going to step up and the staff is going to be fasting and praying this week to kick it off. So later on after um, our speaker, then I'm going to explain to you how you can how you can sign up to do that. And really, there is the Lord's put three things on our heart. One is to really surround and pray for families. We feel like the the enemy, society, the world. There's really been an unprecedented, relentless attack and assault on families. And, you know, the Lord authored families, we feel, to be the, the foundation of society. And so we're going to call, and, and it's really interesting, the timing, because there's been different people in our church, uh, intercessors that have gotten words from the Lord, even dreams about this topic, about the need to really rally and pray and step up. And so I just heard some of those things this morning. So the timing, I think the Lord's calling us to do that. The second thing is just to pray to reconsecrate, commit, dedicate our hearts to the Lord. And then the third is we'd like you to pray and fast for a future facility for us. We are um, actively praying and looking for just a right facility. We feel like the Lord wants us to pursue something. So to, to pray for that. But I'll explain the mechanics of how to do that um, later after our speaker, uh, who I'm pleased to introduce. I'm excited to introduce. Um, you know, one of the things we want to do in our church, and we've been doing, if you've noticed, over the past couple of years, is want to give more voice, more influence, um, more uh, authority to the next generations. And so um, we, one of the things for me is wanting to um, have the young adults, and even, they're not so young anymore, but some of the, the younger than me, the adults to have um, presence, influence on shaping our church and in our service on Sunday morning. So with that, um, I was talking to someone and we were talking, and he was open to, to speaking, and so he's going to speak today for the first time in our service. So let's give a support welcome to Brandon Hojo. Go get him, Brandon. Good morning. Oh, I'm so nervous. <clears throat> Good morning. Uh, for those of you, again, who don't know who I am, my name is Brandon Hojo. Uh, and I went to film school here in Long Beach, Cal State Long Beach, just up the street. And 
I remember this one lesson that in my producer class, our professor brought up this thing called the quality triangle. I actually have the quality triangle up right now. Our professor mainly brought it up to explain how the quality of productions go. They, and freelance artists, and I know Ahava <laughs> talked to me about it earlier, freelance artists will know exactly what I mean. You can only choose two. You can only choose cheap and good, good and fast, fast and cheap, but you can't have the third, right? So if you want something cheap and you want it good, it's not going to be fast. It's going it's gonna, it's gonna to take a while. If you want something good and fast, well, hey, we know it's not going to be cheap. But if you want something cheap and fast, well, odds are it might not be that good. And this is, it happens all the time, right? And I think all, and a lot of times in our lives, we can relate to this in some way or form. We're ordering a product, we want something, and we, we encounter all three of these things at once. And honestly, we're, we've tried to wiggle out of it. I've tried to compromise. Ooh, maybe I can, if I get this cheaper deal, or oh, this one's really good quality, but I have to put more money into it. Whatever it is, we've all tried to encounter something to do with the quality triangle, whether any kind of product. Um, but of course, we want it. We don't want to pay a lot of money for it. Of course, we want it to be good, and we want it now, right? We want it like quick, right? Fast internet, right? We want it quick. But today, we're going to be looking at a very familiar passage where cheap, good, and fast mean absolutely nothing in the eyes of God. But first, let's open up in a word of prayer. Uh, dear Lord God, uh, you are a good God. You, um, you are the provider. You, um, you just love us so much, and I just thank you for just bringing us here today that we can um, hear more about your word and, teach, and hear about the teachings that you have for us. Um, God, may you just calm my nerves. Uh, God, may I pray that I can just be an effective communicator of your word um, and that we can just focus our eyes and our hearts and align ourselves with you, God. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Mark 8, 31 to 38. Before we get there, uh, let me set the scene. Mark 8, Jesus is healing people left and right. He started his ministry. He, he just fed 4,000 people. He's being questioned by the Pharisees. Perform this miraculous miracle. Prove to us that you are the Messiah. And then Jesus turns and looks at his disciples, and he asks, who do the people say that I am? So the disciples say, well, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist. Some people are saying that you're Elijah. Then Jesus asks, who do you think that I am? So Peter, Peter being Peter, he steps up and he says, Jesus, you are the Messiah. That's the scene. Let's go into Mark 8.31, and here I have it on the screen. Oh, actually, before I get to that, so when Peter steps up, he makes this huge claim, you are the Messiah, you are the Savior, you are the Deliverer. He says that straight to Jesus' face. It's very important. So as we go into Mark 8.31, um, your heading might say this is where Jesus predicts his death for the first time. So Mark 8.31, then Jesus began to tell them, that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. We're going to take a quick pause. Peter pulls Jesus aside and is like, whoa, 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 suffer? Jesus, you're going to suffer? That just doesn't make any sense. You're the king of all kings. You're supposed to deliver us from our enemies. You know, these Romans, you know, they're kind of stomping on the parade right now, and you're supposed to deliver us away from them. And Jesus, you have, all the power up, you have all the power in the world. But up to this point, 
for the disciples, their whole lives, they've heard about the Messiah, they've been learning about them, and they see the Messiah as this power figure, this strong, this mighty, this king, this deliverer. And then when they see Jesus, the Messiah, suffering, what? That doesn't make any sense. And so Peter's like pulling, hey, Jesus, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. And so the idea, again, the idea of the suffering Messiah didn't make any sense. I just want to footnote that. We're going to keep reading. Uh, Mark 8, 33. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If, anything, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I've read this passage many, many times in my preparation, and I've derived three truths. There are more, but these are the truths that I've derived. Um, and, I'm, and I'm just going to say, I think this first truth is what my entire message, everything will hinge upon this first truth. It's, it's so important. It's, it's something that I've really had to wrestle with. Um, so truth number one, it's not about you. It's not about you. Uh, last week, Pastor Barry, he, he talked about a few of the slogans that we hear in the world, right? The very me culture. He said, you know, things like, have it your way, do yourself a favor, you owe it to yourself, move the way that you want. The world we live in offers many, many things for you. You know, it, it offers comfort, it offers satisfaction, it offers recognition, it, re it offers accomplishment, it offers New York stakes, it offers the Lakers winning the World Series. <laughs> but Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must give up his own way. Or some other versions will say, deny himself. I, I didn't fully understand what it meant to deny yourself. Like, what does that mean? Um, so I was looking into it. You know, denying yourself doesn't imply a poor self-image. It's not saying, oh, poor me, I'm a nobody, I'm nothing. But actually, in a Christian sense, denying yourself implies knowing exactly who we are in relationship to God. He is the king of all things, and we are his servants, his creation his children. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. Romans 8.17, we are God's children, and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. We need to let Christ shine through us. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's not about you. Jesus asks us to lose our self-centered determination to be in charge. I'm going to say that one more time, because I have to read it a million times to understand what it means. Jesus asks us to lose our self-centered determination to be in charge. Last week, there was a get-to-know-you Catalyst meeting for the newer Catalyst attendees. 
where the elders and Pastor Barry and Pastor Ross, they shared about Calvary's core values, the beliefs, the mission statement, the vision. And I love that I can be a part of a church where they live out their vision. And so this is directly from the Catalyst website. I just looked it up. I took a screenshot, and I even highlighted the portion that, that I really liked. Um, one of the visions directly from the website is God first in everything. We see the Holy Spirit awakening us to be God-centric in every place, in every moment, with every person. Pastor Barry went on to say that they chose God-centric as opposed to God-centered because whether you believe it or not, God is there and we're, we're, our lives are around him. We, we have to understand that God is working in all circumstances. We have to understand that he is running the show and, and not us. We're not making the world turn. We're not making grass grow. It's God. Jesus asks us to lose our self-centered determination to be in charge. It's not about you. As the creator, Christ knows better than we do what real life is about. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Jesus does not promise instant gratification. He, he actually promises hardship. He doesn't give you the hope of winning a popularity contest. He, <coughs> in, uh, notes. he doesn't give you the hope of winning a popularity contest. In Christ's service, there's no room for playing king of the hill. It's not about you. Second truth, truth number two. There's always a decision. There's always a choice. In the passage, Jesus says the word if five times in the passage. If implies that you don't have to choose God. You can easily very choose the things of this world. And hey, sometimes, sometimes that's easier. Sometimes you make choices that are worldly and not even know that you're making those choices. Very often we're tempted to fall down and worship the idols of this world for a little bit of instant gratification. Or maybe, maybe we're tempted to sacrifice our moral principles in exchange for popularity. Let me give you this, this very small example of a micro decision that I had to make. Um, so I'm getting married in a few months. And, and, and whether we say it out loud or not, you gotta look good for the pictures. And so also for me, when I hear that, I gotta go on a diet, I gotta look good. So I'm currently on a diet. It, it sucks, but you know, gotta look good for the wedding. But. <laughs> this past Friday night, oh, on this diet, I, it's very strict. I can't have carbs, I can't have sweets, can't have fried food. And one of these things is you can't eat past 8 p.m. Whatever it is, I, I just can't eat past 8. It's just not good for you. And so it's Friday night, it's 10 p.m. I'm hungry. I'm, I, I want to eat. I haven't eaten in five hours. I'm really hungry. I stay up late. And so this little idea pops into my mind. You know what sounds good right now? In and out. <laughs> In and out sounds so good right now. So then now, now I have a choice. Do I go to In and Out or do I not go to In and Out and drink water and just wait it out? It's happened many nights before. And this little this little idea, do I do I break my diet? Do I go to in and out? It's only four minutes away. It's a good meal. It's instant. It's cheap. All the rationalization, it's so close to go to in and out Or 
do I stay at home? And when I, I just kept thinking about it now, it's 10, it's 10.30, it's 10.45. And so I'm thinking, what do I do? But I lost sight of the greater goal. I need to, I need to get sliver, not the other way. There's always a choice and there's always a decision, even though the temptation was so small. You can ask me later what I chose to do. Um, Psalm, uh, Psalm 86.11, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may, so that I may fear your name. James 4.17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. There is always a choice to follow Jesus. Third truth. This, this, one's, this, one's, this one's fun. Third truth. It's easy to focus on the wrong things. It's very easy to focus on the wrong things. Um, I have a video prepared. Um, let's not play it yet. But the, I love this video. I've been watching it for years. Uh, and the first time I watched it, I, my, my brain exploded. Um, and if you've seen this video before, don't spoil the surprise for anyone. But... Um, Please, please, please enjoy. Uh, Damon, can you, can you run the video, please? How many passes does the team in white If this is your first time watching it, who missed it? A lot of us missed it, right? It's, <laughs> I rewatched it video like four times, like, how did I miss that? You could argue that we told you to look at a very specific thing, look at their passes. And that's true, you, you blocked everything else out, you told exactly what I told you to do, or what the video told you to do, but that doesn't deny the fact that you missed something so silly or so crazy, a moonwalking bear. You still missed it. And that happens to us so, so often when you focus on one thing. Yes, we told you to do one thing, but you missed the bear. I want to look back at the passage. Uh, I'm going to go back to Peter. When he was reprimanded, when he was reprimanded, when he was reprimanding Jesus, when he pulled him aside, and he said, whoa, 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 why are you suffering? Uh, Jesus was saying, Jesus was saying that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He would be killed and raised from the dead. Peter then pulls him aside, and it's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't know exactly what Peter said, but Jesus responds, and it's a big response. Get away from me, Satan. Did he just call Peter Satan? I, I took me for a loop. I was like, isn't Peter one of his, like, super close homies? Isn't he, like, this super cool? Didn't Peter walk on water? He did. And so I, I dug into that, that small sentence. Even though Peter had good intentions, Jesus recognized the voice of the tempter. Remember when Jesus was in the desert and uh, the tempter, the Satan, he, he showed up and he's like, hey, I'm going to take you to the highest point of the temple. Jump. The scriptures say that he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus did not want to suffer and die, 
Jesus knew that he possessed the strength and power from God to bring down the angelic hosts and bring victory to Israel. The devil was tempting him to fall down and worship him and take the road of least resistance rather than doing it God's way. He recognized the tempter's voice, even though it came from a dear friend. Jesus responds to Peter, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. See, Peter, like us, he was looking at the now. He was so focused on Jesus the Messiah, but he didn't understand why Jesus had to die on the cross even until after it it had happened. Even though Peter had good intentions and cared for Jesus, he made this mistake of focusing on Jesus' safety rather than God's plan. Peter's job was not to guide and protect Jesus. His, his job was to follow him. I'm going to say that again. Peter's job was not to guide and protect Jesus, but to follow him. Peter, along with the rest of the disciples, loved Jesus. They admired him. But unknowingly, by not wanting Jesus to suffer on the cross, they were trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross and then fulfilling his mission on earth. Could you imagine if Jesus was just like, you're right, Peter, I don't got to do that. Army, come on, let's, let's do it, done. That would change the narrative entirely of what the Bible stood for. It's easy to focus on the wrong things as the disciples did. Time and time again, Scripture tells us what to focus on and what not to focus on. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 1 John 2, 15 and 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Not about you. There's always, always a decision. And it's very easy to focus on the wrong things. Jesus asks us to lose our self-centered determination to be in charge. Jesus asks us to lose our self-centered determination to be in charge. Why? Verse 36 does it pretty well. Because what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Maybe, maybe some of you, you don't want the whole world. You just want a little, little piece of it, just a few things in the world. But your grip, your grip is really tight. My mom would say you're white knuckling, really, really tight. What are you holding on to? Who's the one saving your life? Is it you or is it God? Who is the one in charge? Are you holding on to money? The safety and security of having a lot of money or just a comfortable amount of money? Or maybe you're working so hard to earn money that you're not focusing on anything else, like the relationships around you or the people that that need your help. Are you holding on to status? You try so hard to make sure that the people around you see you in such a specific way that you have to be perfect in every circumstance. 
are you holding on to complacency? I'm good. I'm good where I am. I finally got a stable routine. I don't, I don't want to look at the things that will challenge me or grow me. I'm, I'm good. I know I struggle with this. Sometimes I look at my life and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I got a good job. I have friends who love me. I'm, 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 I'm good. But I'm only focusing on, on my needs, on the things that I want, and not what God's agenda is for me. Are you holding on to the idea that you are the only one who can change your life? There's a real danger when you're trying to hang on to your life and gaining the things of this world. There's a huge, huge danger. Verse 38, If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Some of you know exactly what you're holding on to. I may not have said it today, but it, feels like, it might feel like it's weighing you down like an anchor. In the month of August, as we said earlier, Catalyst is going to go through a time of fasting. It's a time to, to refocus. It's a time to align yourself with God. It's, it's a time of reflection, confession, prayer. Um, later this week, the Engage to Flourish podcast is going to talk directly about fasting. Some misconceptions of it, some ideas of why maybe the church feels like they want to get on board with fasting. I definitely encourage you to listen to the podcast if you don't know very much about fasting. I know that the youth kids are fasting. They're going on a retreat later this week, and they're giving up a lot of different things. Um, Fasting is typically about food, but these guys are abstaining from things like screen time on Instagram, phone games. Some are fasting, some are abstaining from snacks, sugar. It's a time for them to give up some of their worldly desires because one, they know that they don't need it, and two, they want to focus on something that's not for them. Or they want to focus on God's love for them. Words. Um, I encourage you, I encourage you to consider fasting with the church. Um, I encourage you to seek the Lord and give up your own ways. I encourage you to remember that Jesus is asking you to lose your self-centered determination to be in charge. I hope that I say it enough that you'll remember it. Jesus is asking you to lose your self-centered determination to be in charge. So imagine this room. Imagine where the person sitting next to you didn't live for themselves. That they lived wholly and completely for Jesus. They let God direct and be in charge of their life. Imagine that everyone in this room became all they were created and called to be in Jesus Christ. How would that change your marriage? Instead of, what do I want for our marriage? God, what do you want for our marriage? I'm not married yet, but we're going to ask that question. How would that change your parenting with your kids? God, what do you want for my kids? Not what I want for my kids. How could that change your workplace? God, how will you use me today in the office? Carl's being extra annoying today, but God, how would you like me to approach Carl? Do I love him or ignore him? How would that change your day-to-day? All right, so I've been listening to this 
this great communicator series that Pastor Barry sent me. And um, one of the best things is to help you remind yourself of any kind of teaching or like, I, I'm a, very, a victim of when I was in youth group Friday night, great message, I loved it. Then by Saturday morning, I forgot everything. I had no idea what they just talked about. I think they talked about love and Jesus. And so I was terrible. I was terrible at remembering things because it was just so hard. Uh, so eventually I ended up asking them for all of their message notes after, and it was a great help. But for today, here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to pull out their phone. Pull out your phone. And then I want you to go to your alarms on your phone. I want you to set an alarm for today. Today at 2 p.m. Just today at 2. It's only in two or three hours. If you're on the YouTube, if it's past 2 p.m., just set it for two or three hours from now. When the alarm goes off later today at 2 o'clock, all I want you to do is ask the question, who's in charge? That's it. I know Android phones, if you're an Android, you can put a title on there. Apple people, I don't know if you can, but um, if you can put on the title, who's in charge? That's all you gotta do. If you wanna take it a step further, set an alarm every day this week, according to your schedule. Middle of the day, the alarm goes off. Who's in charge? Is it you? Are you in charge? I just want you to ask a simple question. Who is in charge? It's not about you. There's always a decision. And it's easy to focus on the wrong things. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, um, it's easy to, to walk in the opposite direction. It's easy to, to think about the things that we want because we know ourselves so well. But God, you know us so much more. You know the purpose of life. You know the plan. You know everything, God. And let us devote our time, our thoughts, our energy to you. Let us choose to take up our cross and walk with you and let us focus on you and what you have in store. For a lot of people, that's really hard. For me, it's really hard to know what you want, God, but I pray that as we mature, I pray that as we learn more about you, that we can apply this, this wonderful thing called scripture, that we can apply and not only hear, but that we'll be doers of the word. God, so I pray that we can just lose this determination, this determination to be in charge and that we can that we just love you so much every day with every thought and every moment. God, so we thank you. We love you. In your name we pray. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It will be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus.